0: What is up, everyone? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and you're listening and watching another amazing episode of Untold Stories, where together you and I, our guests, and and our family and friends, hopefully you guys are listening to this like in your car, and you put it, you know, play it up on your Alexas and whatever, you know, if you own like a, I've never heard of like a bar or nightclub yet playing podcasts in the background, but that could be really cool if you do, if you are like one of those owners. Thank you for playing the show. Thank you guys for listening. I love it. There's a lot of really cool things that are being built in our industry right now. Really, 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 really cool things. And I told you guys that bear markets bear the fruit. Bear markets are the time when we have the coolest things being built. And we get to see kind of together at least. But you know, when the bull markets come, we get to go back and look at which ones, you know, we talk to and 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 what they're doing now. And it's it's kind of a lot of fun to see uh the fruit that's that our industry has been bearing. And not only that, we've been like attracting, uh, companies that were doing a lot of other things. And now they're joining our industry. They're doing something, whether it's like web three or block using blockchain technology. Someone told me yesterday, almost every financial transaction, almost every data transaction, almost anything that moves over like a future version of what we see as the internet could potentially be on some sort of blockchain rail. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, introduce my uh, my guests today, Jeff Thompson and Sanjay Raghaven. Thank you guys so much for coming on Untold Stories today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You lead the legal affairs at Roofstock. Uh, you, uh, my listeners, have definitely heard of the company before. Um, you guys are an online marketplace for investing in lease single family home rentals uh, in a transparent and low friction way. Kind of the, one of the first companies. Uh, to do that, to allow people to purchase like fractional ownership in, in, in rental properties. And I think from 2020 to 2022, we saw a huge change in like the, the, not just the values of real estate, but like who has been owning real estate. And we've been waiting to see where the blockchain involvement will kind of be for, for the real estate world. And, um and Sanjay you had uh you're the head of web3 initiatives at Roofstock uh you were part of Wharton School of Cyber Blockchain Acceler- Accelerator uh, and uh, you did a lot of really cool things there guys like uh i'm really it's it's interesting because we're going to be talking about you know cryptos but also taking you know potential like legal documents or 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 properties and and different type of like revenue sharing token type mechanisms and putting it into an NFT. So it's great that we have, you know, the head of the Web3 initiatives, but also the head of legal affairs, because you almost nowadays, Jeff, would you agree? Like you almost nowadays need to have an in-house someone like you who's on the ball who knows everything when it comes to corporate and finance law, especially for 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 cryptos, not forget the real estate world on its own, but for when it comes to cryptocurrencies and things like that. Absolutely,
1: um, and and I was, as you said previously, general counsel of the company, and and earlier this year shifted over to to co lead the blockchain initiative with Sanjay. And um, this year has been nine solid months of legal work. Um, there's there's just no way around it. Um, if you you know you're trying to bridge the gap between something that exists in the real world and has been done a certain way for generations. And the blockchain technology, which has all of the promise that we know about, we're big believers in that. But the legal infrastructure is just not in place. So when you talk about something like wanting to represent ownership of real property on a blockchain, um, what does that even mean, right? Um, The deed isn't going to magically appear on chain. The deed still is going to be recorded at the county recorder's office until... At some point in the future, the laws change, and and we can think about having everything fully online on the on chain. Right now, um, there's a tremendous amount of legal work that's needed to to even um, conceptualize the the solutions in the space.
0: We're talking about like the the handshake between the on chain and off chain world, and no one has really figured that out. I mean, there's there's kind of bankruptcy court now going through with some of these Celsius and Voyager, trying to figure out you know how that all works, but how have you how have you made that connection?
1: One step at a time. Um, you know, there's there are 17 different aspects of um, any item that we're thinking about that have to be considered from um commercial law, bankruptcy law, um securities law, tax law, um, and and a huge part of our job and my job in particular. Is finding the right lawyers who have the right expertise in that particular area. Um, what we're trying to do is reduce the the real estate transactions to a single click, basically using blockchain. So it's like buying or selling an NFT on on an OpenSea or your other favorite NFT marketplace. Um, and and we're we're there. Um, it's you know we're going to be able to provide an experience to the user. Um, where they can do their diligence online, the buyer can get has all of the information that the seller has about the property, and um, that transaction can literally be be transacted um, instantaneously through the blockchain. And we're putting a smart contract in the middle of that. So instead of having this constellation of players from the traditional real estate space that we all know, if you've purchased a home and you have, you know, you realize as you get into it, oh, there's someone else now at the table. Now there's a third. There's, there's, sure. you know, there's title, escrow, notary, appraiser, inspector, and then suddenly you have 12 different parties who are all taking fees. Um, the magic of blockchain is to be able to um, remove a lot of those intermediary layers, not all of them in the real world case. It's not, you know, we're not that pure at the, at the moment, but um, we can abstract away a lot of that stuff. Make sure all of the inspections and everything have been done sure. before the property's listed, and then at the time of transactions, literally won't click.
0: I mean, you're talking about an industry that that when you're buying and selling a home, there's like a six to ten percent spread, you know, between what if you're selling something, if you're selling a property, like what you're actually getting. This is a, a a huge industry ripe for disruption. What's the what's kind of like the background about Roofstock? How did the company get started, and what and what did it do? as it now rolls out a whole web3 interface
2: the company formed in 2015 with the single goal of just radically simplifying how single family rental properties are bought and sold and the first phase of that was uh, just figuring out how people can purchase properties remotely because uh, traditionally uh this is a by the way single family rentals are four trillion dollars and there's about 20 million units it's a very large asset class but Traditionally, people have been buying homes within a 200-mile radius of where they live because then they can visit the property, they can hire contractors, oversee the work, find the right property management, boots on the ground, all of that stuff, right? So the first phase of kind of rooftop trying to figure out how to make it simpler for people to buy real estate was to just uh, you know, create more transparency in the process so people can feel comfortable about Uh, getting on a computer, doing their diligence, clicking a button to initiate the process of purchasing a a home remotely. So you could be living in San Francisco and purchasing a home in Atlanta or Indianapolis. Um, But even though that process in the front end was largely simplified, the process in the back end was still the same, right? You had to have your seller's agent, buyer's agent, uh, title, escrow. None of those processes changed. So what what we did in the first uh, few years was The process of finding a home, diligencing a home, making an offer, that was all shortened uh, from, you know, the complexity of not, you know, you didn't have to fly to a remote location to look at properties and, uh, you know, hire an agent, local agent there and all that stuff. So we simplified that process quite a bit, but it still took two or three weeks to actually close the deal. And if you had financing, it took even longer to close the deal, right? So that was the initial kind of phase of Roofstock. With Web3, we wanted to not just reduce the front-end load, but also the, pro- the time and effort it takes to close the property. Literally, as Jeff was pointing out, we wanted that to be a one-click transaction where you went to your favorite NFT marketplace, you found the asset you wanted, and you clicked the button, you signed your wallet, you transferred ETH or USDC, and, and the property was yours. So that's the kind of innovation we've done sure. in this last
0: year. And and now you're kind of looking to advance that into a, uh, did you guys create a new token standard? Is ERC-721A?
2: No. So the ERC-721A is the Azuki standard uh, that already exists. Uh, it's a lower gas fee standard. We are using that for uh, a membership token that's going to be a bound token. And that's how you start your journey with Roofstock on change. Okay. Um, once you get that token, we're going to offer a free real estate course and then after that once you know how to you know look at underwriting real estate properties and uh, you know and you're comfortable with that process then you can start going to our marketplace and you know buying properties and managing them uh, but the main token we're creating the home on chain token that's also an erc721 token we've just made a few minor modifications to create a standard where um, allow listed people, uh, you know, so people can come and get allow listed. And once they're allowed listed, they can go and purchase the asset.
0: This is very cool and it's very unique. So essentially it's not, it's not like you just show up to a marketplace and you have the ability to purchase a token that represents a, uh, uh you know, a share of a property or the whole property, but rather you're almost like hybrid, uh, onboarding people, and almost getting them comfortable with hey what is a token and what does a token do because i'm sure you have a lot of people who've never interfaced with like a crypto token before and then so essentially if i am and then and then it and then it holds the KYC status so that's very important too because it allows you to create like a permissioned walled garden which is very important you know as it as it relates especially this morning like right right Jeff we saw uh, I think this morning we saw just a thing about uh, uh, the chairman of the SEC say that, you know, Bitcoin and Ether should be regulated by the CFTC and then all securities tokens, the SEC. So there's going to be a lot of like requirements when it comes to the ledger and who can own what and things like that. So it holds your KYC status, but then it whitelists you, enabling you to like be part of liquidity pools and what what other type of things. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. So, so that's it. I mean, we, on the, the standard itself, we we started with 721 and, or actually we started elsewhere and then decided, no, we want to be as close to as possible to the existing standards and fit ourselves into the existing network. We do have some education on both sides. Um, Traditional real estate investors are usually um, happy with the way things work or, you know, mildly inconvenienced at the most. Um, They don't necessarily see blockchain in a positive light. And if you ask them to sign in with their wallet, they don't even know what you mean. Um, And then on the other side, the crypto natives uh, are, um, they only want to see wallet. They don't want to deal with email addresses or, you know, they want to stay anon. on. And both sides, we have to say, we're going to ask you to move a little bit in another direction. Um, We do have to have KYC. That's that's just uh, the law of the land. I mean, this is, in our case, the way we've set it up, you're owning. You, when you purchase that token, it represents or um, it, it signifies ownership of an LLC which owns the property itself. So the property has been titled in the LLC. So that means you you are the owner of an LLC. You have to, we have to know who you are. But the way that we've done that is um, really tried to move that entire process into. A quick onboarding, we get your um, your core information and then you're whitelisted or allow listed. Um, and the token itself, if it's you know if, if this transaction is being um, conducted outside of our system on on an, another NFT marketplace, the token will actually uh, call to our database and, and confirm that um, you've been allow listed and, and properly onboarded before the transaction will complete. So that's how we allow um, that's how we comply with law, making sure. Cool. That, yeah. So so we know so basically we're using that transfer function that was already part of the ERC 721 standard and just expanding its use case a little bit um so that we can, you know, get get the the materials in that we need.
2: So Charlie, like you mentioned, you know, it's creating a permissioned architecture, but on top of a permissionless network, right? Because we're still using Ethereum, which is permissionless. Uh, trustless and decentralized, and we're just uh, tweaking it a little bit so that uh, before a transfer can take place, uh, the smart contract makes a call to our membership token and the KYC standard. Uh, you know, if, if you're KYC, that's stored on your membership token, which is a soulbound bound token, so it's in your wallet. It cannot be transferred out. Uh, it makes a call. You know, it looks at your wallet, checks the soulbound bound token, sees if you're KYC, and then it'll allow uh, the transfer to take place. So that's the innovation we've added on the standard, um, you know, OpenZeppelin ERC 721 uh, implementation.
0: I don't know. if you, uh, Actually, side note about OpenZeppelin: the uh, the creator of that auditing company was also one of the founders of the Bitcoin Foundation with me. So that's it's another side note. It's a really cool situation.
2: Yeah, you're you're one of the OGs. I, I know you way back. You know, you were part of the Bitcoin foundation and all that. So, you know, you kind of started this revolution, I guess.
0: That's why I get so excited when I talk to people who are doing, who are really pushing that innovation forward. But also like, I got a great review last night. Someone sent me a message and he said, uh, and actually I'll read it to you because the, rev- the, the YouTube was really nice and uh, this review was really nice, but then I'll, I'll lead it into my question because I'm always talking about the show being just more about the why, like why we're doing these things and like the second order effects and how it's going to really change the world. And, and, and I have a really good point for you, but uh, someone left a review, uh, his name is Shaul on, on YouTube. And he said, uh, he goes, uh, I first heard of and was inspi- inspired about Bitcoin uh, from you. Your name is synonymous with Bitcoin and how I first heard it was inspired Went down the rabbit hole and now I manage quant fund trading arbitrage globally on hundreds of exchanges. I love you. Keep it philosophical and continue to focus on decentralization. People are losing sight. Thank you for the content and keep it up. And I I do, I was like, a little tear came to my eye last night when I read yeah. that because there's a lot of people who kind of do lose sight of the second order effects. But but what you're doing here is you're 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 removing the disenfranchisement that has been around for since real estate ownership was a thing, you know, it's not just about being a member of a class that can't walk into a a, a bank and get financing. I'm Mm -hmm. talking about you not being able to buy real estate with cash in neighborhoods because those neighborhoods don't want you for whatever reason. I grew up in these very similar type of neighborhoods. So you're keeping the core of what's needed. KYC, due diligence, credit checking, stuff like that, background checking and things like that but you're removing like the stuff of like what's your sexual orientation or what's the color of your skin or all these other things and i really love that.
1: That's right. I mean, we we love that too. That's that keeps us going. Um the as people say with defi, it offers the opportunity for everyone to participate in the credit ecosystem without all of the things that you just said, you know, the any type of discrimination or um, you know, being in a prejudice situation based on, on your background, it's exact same here, right? This is we're we're moving that those those items don't even come up in this transaction. You as a seller don't get to uh, decline to sell to an individual because of who they are. Um, this is all and and, and you know, that's kind of the point is to make this um the Rustog mission from the beginning was to make real estate more accessible. And this is really the next implementation of that.
2: Exactly, and if you look at it from a, you know, the KYC, we're not storing all the information pertaining to the person on the soulbound token. It's just a flag that says, you know, your KYC. Right. When you right. go to an OpenSea, you're still anonymously connecting your wallet to OpenSea, so nobody knows who you are. Uh, you know, it's just the implementation that you know um. in the smart contract we make a call to see is that flag set to true or not and if it is true then you can go ahead and make this purchase and so that's all that's all we're looking for so um uh, you know we're completely abstracting out anything else and and as it should be right it should be inclusive that's one of the promises of web3 and we want to try and stay as close as possible to those founding principles core principles of web3
0: do you think do you think uh iterations down the road could includes could include uh like attributes of a property. So you're looking at uh, like bedrooms. You can get really specific. You can get like the quality of the home. You can get the, you know, that you can have like, what? how old is your roof? How old are your air conditioning units? Your heating, you know, like all these different type of things. Because how do we get price discovery with real estate so, now? I mean, it doesn't exist, right?
2: That's wow. not even a future thing. That's right now. Like <laughs> if you go to our collection on OpenSea right now, we have one property listed there. Uh, you can see a video walkthrough of that property, uh, but also uh, there's a link that takes you back to our site, and there's an entire kind of diligence room for that specific property where you can look at the most recent inspection report. You can look at uh, the you know title deed, everything uh, pertaining to that property, but also we have a report of all the rehab that was done on that property, which walks through specifically age of systems and what was replaced and when it was replaced and all that. So we want all of that information to be at your fingertips when you're going to our native marketplace or OpenSea or Looks there, wherever you're purchasing this property. We want all the information to be available to you so it's fully transparent. The buyer knows exactly what they're buying and and there's no uh, asymmetry between the seller that's and so buyer. Cool. Just, yeah. yeah, Because that's the biggest issue, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, in a traditional real estate purchase process, you don't know what you're buying. That's why you need all these intermediaries in the middle and you're getting an inspect, you know, there's all these contingencies on an offer. We're taking all the contingencies out because all the information asymmetry is gone. Everyone's looking at the same information. Uh,
0: I I want to ask a little bit more, but I just, I I was just thinking, uh, is Jeff, is this like the end of title insurance? And like, Require requiring to like have that checked because once a property goes through your process, why would someone in the future ever need to go back and and because you've kind of proven the due diligence, right?
1: Yeah, so so we've we kind of started with that uh, that mindset as well, and and technically it's true, but um, what we found in working with um, about one or two title companies that are really tech forward is they have ways to um, to maintain a title insurance policy even when the LLC interest or the the token is transferred between um, different parties. So um, so if, if an individual, and we assume, right, this is part of going back to where we started with bridging the gap between the way things are done now and the way things may be done in the future in an ideal state. um, We still will have title insurance on all of these because we feel like that's just something that real estate investors are, they're used to having. It's just one of those boxes that have to be checked. Technically, uh, because it's an LLC, and and if the title has been cleared um, early on in the stage at the time of tokenization, then you're right. Theoretically, during the life of that token, title's not changing. Um, and so you wouldn't need to, to uh, re up the, the title insurance, but we have built in a, a way to do that on a, on a cost effective basis because we expect that, that that's something that traditional real estate investors are going to look
0: What for. about like property insurance? Can that stay with the property now? Like all these things that traditionally had to go with the homeowner and not the property itself, can they potentially stay now exactly. with the property?
1: Yeah, that's and that's part of what we mean by abstracting away all of these things. We the title, for example, that that's taken care of before you even purchase the home. You don't have to. That's not like an additional line item when you purchase it. And a traditional home closing, you get the HUD statement that has those additional 65 fees that you weren't expecting. Um, this is this this there, there's no such thing here. Everything is is taken care of up front. So there's no title. The insurance or sorry, the title taken care of the insurance. Uh, likewise, the property is insured at all times before you buy it. After you buy it, um, the the insurance policy will be in place for a year. It's prepaid. Um, and then it's a, your decision if you want to keep that particular insurer or if you want to find a different one. We've set it up again with um, a tech forward insurance. You can do all of that with one click. And it's pretty easy. Um, you don't have to spend a lot of time on phones and you know receiving emails and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you do have the choice if you want to choose a different um, insurance plan you can do that
0: guys hot off the press we've just negotiated with our epic new sponsor bing x over 155 dollars and free new user rewards for each of you. Just check them out and click the link below and I'll explain to you who these guys are and why they're offering such an, an amazing award to our Untold Stories listeners. X is a really cool crypto social trading exchange. They offer the usual like futures, spot, derivatives, all the good stuff that you guys like to do, all the cryptos and all the different coins that you want to buy, but they also offer a really cool copy trading service. And then you can see all their traders over the past few years, how they've performed, and you can simply copy their trading. They have over 3 million users, regulatory licenses in the Can, in Canada, USA, over in Europe, for- through Lithuania, Australia. They got one of the best ratings by 30K. So you know they're legitimate and they're gonna be uh, helping us out and offering you guys this amazing deal Listen, if you click the link below, uh, there's a new user reward and an extra on top special link bonus. You're going to get $155 in USDT. The link has everything in there and they're even capping your losses up to $10 if you go in there and try to play around with the copy trading bingx.com thank you guys so much for sponsoring us i'm excited to send some more videos and update you guys on their platform it really looks nice it's comfortable to use you feel safe and secure you get 150 dollars 155 for free so why not go check it out bingx thank you guys you know uh it's great i've been getting into like your th- this is first of all this is like really mind-blowing groundbreaking stuff not just from like a a legal perspective and you should, and I hope you're like writing case studies and, and, and and you can give it to regulators and show like, Hey, this is how we solve consumer protection, KYC, but also be web three forward and like do everything on blockchain rails. It's really cool to do that. But also from a, from like a technical perspective with creating modified tokens, there's a lot of like going back to second order effects with, with liquidity, you know, you're talking about, I want, I want to, ask you both about your, uh, uh, you know, your opinions on real estate investing itself, but just as, as a follow-up to your last answer, uh, I, I think, I forget if it was you, Sanjay or Jeff, who said it was a $4 trillion market, but this is a market that traditionally was very illiquid. do you think? And, but at the same time, because it's so illiquid, we've had crazy bull and bear markets in that has have traditionally turned people away from real estate investing. Do you think further liquidity will smooth over these lines? Yeah, so that's
2: a great point you bring up, Charlie. Right, because when you look at, uh, let's say, a two hundred thousand dollar home in Atlanta, right, and you you're the seller, you want to you want to sell this property. Well, you're looking at a six percent sales commission on that sale, so that's twelve thousand dollars. Then there's potentially some staging, rehab work to be done to make it look, you know. To stage it and make it look pretty for the sales so that's let's say another three thousand dollars now you're at 15 closing costs probably another one percent or so so you keep adding up these costs little by little and sure enough very soon you're close to ten percent of the value of the house right so as an asset class it's really a great asset class to buy and hold because you're getting rental income and the rent goes up uh, year over year uh, keeping up with inflation the value of the property over a long period of time, say you, if you look at a ten-year horizon, the value of the property goes up over a ten-year period, even if there's like blips uh, in in the short term. So it's a really great asset class to buy and hold. But as soon as you decide to sell it, it's not so good anymore uh, for yeah. the reasons you mentioned. It's you know it's very expensive to sell one of these assets. It's not like going into Robinhood and just you know selling it. So um, that's always been. You know, part of the reason people buy and hold, and then not a lot of liquidity comes back in terms of uh, you know, people selling and and rebalancing their portfolio, going to a different city, buying something else. And with our program, we we definitely want to solve a lot of that, right? Because essentially your experience as a seller is listing it on an NFT marketplace and and the buyer is coming in, they're playing the kind of paying the creator royalty fee, which in our case, you know, we're charging two and a half percent and if you're buying it on our native marketplace the native marketplace fee is 0.5 so instead of paying you know six percent in commissions another percent or so in closing costs and all the other miscellaneous costs now you you know bought it for less than half of a traditional uh you know sale process and, and you know and it's done instantaneously you're not waiting three four five weeks and then like you know if something you know, all the documents are not in place the offer sort of uh, gets rescinded and then you're back offering it all over again in the market. So you take away all that because the smart contract checks to see party A has the token, party B has the money, get these two transferred, you're done with it, right? So literally, um, a lot
0: faster. like
2: buying a, a, an A for a punk on open seats, no different than that.
1: And, and on the liquidity point, um, that is w- one of the main uh, challenges that that we set out to solve here. Um, it, we really do want this to be um, accessible and easy, and dare we say, an enjoyable experience um, to to <laughs> to get into real estate and um, lower the barriers. And and so the, the way that we envision this working is the tokens can be transferred any time, right? Like you said. You, with, if you're paying 10% of, uh, of the cost of the house in transaction fees, then you're going to want to hold that tr- typically for a couple of years at least to, to just make that money yeah. back. When you bring down the fees, you also bring down the, the the transaction costs, and that will increase the liquidity because these can turn over more uh, more frequently.
0: Now, what if I don't want to sell my property, though? But, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. A lot of people, it's like the opposite. You have... Uh, you have properties that you want to hold on potentially for life or whatever it is but you want to tap into its liquidity every so often is that something that can be done
2: we are working on a new DeFi protocol which we'll be announcing in a few months uh, which will actually again if you look at we were just talking about how difficult it is to buy and sell real estate now on top of that if you add financing uh, don't even get me started there right because yeah. uh you know you're basically giving you know, your entire life history and biodata, and your, you know, your kids information and everything else to get the loan these days. And then, and you're paying 6% or so, right? The uh, Fannie Mae loans are 5.6 or something in That's today's, market. Um, you know, in a next week, the inflation report is coming out and the feds are meeting a couple of weeks after that. And you're, you know, most likely like the markets went down today in anticipation of another interest rate hike. So, uh, you know, we're probably going to be at like a 6% interest rate. And it's just like people can't afford to buy expensive homes and pay yeah. 6% anymore, right? We, and it takes like weeks and you're giving your income, your tax, your assets and everything to the bank. And you go through this process two or three times before your loan is finalized. Uh, we want to make that all really simple here and be able to, just like with Compound or Aave or like a DeFi solution, be able to pledge your nft and just take a loan against it because that that nft represents value why shouldn't yeah, you, you can, take some value out of it
0: especially if you have like airbnb properties you can have revenue sharing tokens i mean there's so many different like if you have something bringing in like you know six or seven percent after all of the the costs and everything you could potentially mm-hmm. share that with other people there's a lot mm-hmm. of and then that's real yield i mean people talk about how do we get yield on top of a blockchain where are right. we going to get these percentages? That This is how we get the, the yield. You know, you cut out all the middlemen. But to your point, I know it's, you know, let's go back to 2008, 2009. Uh, I was a too young to get a, like a, a mortgage back then. But a lot of people told me that it was very easy to get a home loan. It was very easy. You can get 10 mortgages. You know, they were giving them away like candy. Maybe this is exaggerated, but it was a lot easier. And then we had this crazy... You know the great financial crisis. We had this crazy subprime mortgage lending thing, and and that made they made the regulations and rules a lot more strict about how to actually you know who they made the rules and regulations a lot more strict when it comes to 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 Fannie Mae and Freddie. Is it Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, right? Mm-hmm. Those they made what those government organizations can insure. So it made uh, the the mortgage brokers have to up their requirements because if they can't insure the mortgages that they're getting to you from the government, then they're not going to give you these mortgages. But I guess the point I'm getting at is that no one made it easier for companies like yourself to originate more loans to people that would be normally disenfranchised. So finally, like 10 years later, we're catching up
1: we do have um line of sight to a solution to that exact problem which is um yeah anyone who's recently gone through the process has probably seen 400 pages of disclosures and you know documents to countersign and and most of that is actually driven by the financing not by the the underlying um, home transaction and and so what we envision for this product is an asset based loan instead of a loan that's based on someone's personal credit. So so this would act like um, other DeFi protocols or even yeah. the NFT lending where you pledge your token and, and that's all that you need to do. You don't need to then go through, you know, months of un- personal underwriting and um, have people examining your credit score and your debt to income ratio and all of that. You just simply ha- pledge the token if you don't pay the loan, then you know the token can be yeah. um, foreclosed. But but the idea is let's you know radically simplify the way that the the financing process works, so that you could even theoretically sell your token with a loan on it to another person. I can sell my levered token sure. to you, and that's and that that makes financial sense because. It's The loan rate isn't based on me personally, it's based on the asset. So if I own the asset or you own the asset, we both get the same rate.
2: Exactly. And that's that's a really powerful thing, right? Because if you think about how, how home loans work today, what you're pledging as collateral is the title to your property, right? If you don't pay, the bank can foreclose your property and take control of it. But still, the process of getting a loan involves asking Charlie, hey, how much did you make this year? How much did you make last year? How much, you know, show me your tax returns, show me your bank statement, show me your retirement accounts and show me your, you know, everything else. And we, you know, if you've you've got this asset that has value and, you know, it's uh, the example I'd like to think of is, you know, Bitcoin today is $20,000, but last year, you know, it was a lot more. You went and pledged your Bitcoin and you got whatever, you know, 30% of the value against it or, you know, whatever each lender was willing to give you in a DeFi market, they didn't ask you how much money you're making and are yeah. you a wealthy person, are you a poor person, right? It it shouldn't matter because you've got this asset as collateral that has value. And if if you don't pay, I, I can foreclose on that collateral, right? The same thing should be happening here because you have this property that's worth whatever a couple of hundred thousand dollars. If you don't pay, I can seize that collateral, I can you know, sell that NFT on an NFT marketplace and reclaim my yeah. principal and accrued interest. Why should I have to ask you all these other questions? Right. Um, That's the so whole we point. Want to You're talking about oh, by that process.
0: Yeah. You're talking about like moving the right now, the ball is it's not whether or not the property you have enough like loan to value. the The question is, do you as a person have the ability to repay? This full amount over the course of the fifteen or thirty years, regardless of the property or not, Mm -hmm. and so like that's really what's happening there in in the current day. So you could be someone who owns multiple properties. You know, one year makes a million, one year makes zero. It's going to be very difficult for you. You have to have consistent like paychecks and stuff like that, proving that you can. That's that's what the problem is. But I get
2: why. I understand. That's exactly the problem.
0: I understand why that problem exists because on the other side, I, I've been, I don't do it anymore because of this exact problem. I used to lend against real estate, private, private, hard money lending. And I'm Mm -hmm. in a two and a half year foreclosure right now because there's like six appeals that a borrower can go through. So I don't know how you solve that problem. I guess by putting the property on chain, you're making the due diligence, the, the the seizure a lot easier. Like you said, because you could just sell Bitcoin. Now you could sell the property, but there's like a lot, there's a lot there when it comes to, to like. Yeah,
1: that it, there is. I mean, you, you put your finger on it. That That is part of the uh, technical legal analysis that we've done is how can you actually transfer title to that token such that a lender is able to, take possession of that and and foreclose on it um, and and resell it if they want to do that. In our case, um, obviously, consumer protection is important here. Of course. We're not trying to, you know, you can't just, like, um, take someone's home someone away house. on the blockchain. Yeah. You know, that's not a thing, right? We're not, and that's not what we're proposing It's to not do. what
0: happened to me either. I'm not like pushing a family out. It's... Right. It's <laughs> yeah. There's, there's bad, like bad faith and all of bad, that. A lot of bad faith out there, unfortunately, yeah. in the lending world. Most people yeah. don't realize, but you as a person going into a bank and being in good faith is the minority.
1: You know, I mean... It's it's a it's a tricky business and and the way that we're kind of thinking of it and first of all in our case these are um, rental properties these are not um, sold for purposes of owner occupants so that changes um, yeah, the analysis course. significantly because it, when we get into lending that's you know these will be commercial loans these are not mortgage loans they're not consumer loans they're they're loans made to an LLC for a business purpose. Um, so that helps us with the the analysis and the consumer protection part of it. Um, a lender, if if they've if you've pledged your your token to the to the lender, the lender will have the right to take that token, and, and part of that means that they can resell that token if you don't pay. And then, of course, you get repaid the amount that you're um, you know that's left over after after the sale. Um, sure. So again, we're not creating any kind of system where you know. Um, this is dramatically stacked against the borrowers. Um, you you always will get repaid um, whatever's left. But the idea is if obviously if there's a tenant in place, you have to respect the lease. Um, so the the yes. token can be transferred, but the tenant isn't going to be disturbed because it's still as long as the tenant's paying rent, they're um, they're entitled to be in the property and, and no one's going to um, push you know try to push them out. So it's it's kind of in our in our situation, Um, limiting ourselves to the rental property space, at least initially, that really does help with a lot of these issues. Um, and it allows us to, to consolidate this and do it, you know, faster on chain.
0: Do you have to care about the ETH merge happening next week? Does it, as a, as a company, you know, building technology on top of Ethereum, does that, is that like a a non-event for you? We, we all care about it. Of course, (laughs) but like your tokens are not going to be cloned where people have to choose.
1: No, we're we're. I mean, yes, our lawyers have reminded us we need to have some language, some disclosure in our terms and conditions about you know if if that if something happens. But in our case, um, because there's a real world asset, sure. Um, at the end of the day, if if somehow um, uh, you know the block doesn't get updated correctly or it's it's. Um, cloned and there's uncertain title on on chain at the end of the day there still is a real world llc and property and because we've gone through that process we talked about of understanding who that ultimate beneficial owner is we can we know who who the owner should be so if something were to go wrong with the blockchain no one's going to lose their 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 home tokens from us because we have the ability to um you know to kind of Decide who the actual owner is based on the records that we and
2: have. Actually, on that note, another kind of interesting thing about this token is because it can only be transferred to allow listed uh, parties, your token cannot be taken away from you in a phishing scam, for example, right? You, you're not going to connect your yeah. MetaMask wallet to some site uh, posing to be roof stock and, and you know suddenly you wake up one day to see your $200,000 property gone, right? You're not going to have that situation because. Uh, again, only KYC parties can can uh, you know these assets can only be transferred amongst the KYC parties, and and also because uh, we keep a linkage of you know who the so anytime this this asset sells on the blockchain, we're listening to the uh, uh, to the blockchain to see if if you know if a sale has happened, and when it has happened, we get the new wallet address. Again, we've already KYC'd the wallet, so we know who that belongs to, and then we can update our books and records to say okay now. Ownership has changed from Charlie to Jeff, right? So at all times, we know who's the owner of the underlying asset, because that's also required by law. We need to know who they are and we need to report that. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, again, as we said earlier, you can, you know, there's liquidity because if the seller can decide they want to sell it with, you know, price in ETH, price in in USD, on this marketplace, that marketplace, it really doesn't matter to us. And we wanted that flexibility where You know, there's more control. You know, as a token holder, you should have control on which NFT marketplace you want to sell it at, right? So we're not trying to restrict it to only a roof stock marketplace, for example, right? So we want to stay true to all the Web3 uh, elements here, but there are some benefits of this KYC process. So, you know, you cannot lose your token to a phishing scam or something like that.
0: It's really cool too, because in traditionally, uh, joint ventures and partnerships with companies is like a very onerous process there's a uh, uh if you guys wanted to work with you know one of your competitors or you wanted to like grow your company by partnerships and things like that which i'm a big fan of it's very difficult but now like if you take we i, I in the back of my mind we had a past guest who uh runs a company called uh, Syndicate and Syndicate is like uh it turns any wallet into like a a web3 investment club or like an investment collective dao that allows you know folks to to deposit money And create these like, you know, governance, voting, investing clubs where it's like going all together and everyone's making decisions together and where the money's being allocated off chain and on chain. But by you doing something on chain and they're on chain, the work is already there for like how you guys can work together and grow each other's businesses without the need for like all this other stuff.
2: I mean, you bring up one of the key points of Web3, right? If, for example, our soulbound token is going to be on somebody's Ethereum wallet, and if that says, you know, we've gone through a KYC process and, and that flag is set to yes, somebody else that this individual is interacting with that also requires a KYC can also just check their token status to see if this person has been KYC'd and allow, you know, a transaction to proceed, right? That That kind of you know, oh, yeah. You know, in the in the past, like you go to Bank of America, they will KYC you. You go to Wells Fargo next, they'll KYC you again. You go to Chase, and they're going to do it again, right? This benefits of Web three, where you can share a lot of these types of things, which creates interesting partnership opportunities. The other thing I wanted to point out was we actually all of the analysis we've done here uh, are are you know standard. Our uh, smart contracts actually on GitHub. The source code is there for anybody to see and replicate and do what we've done. We'll also uh, be publishing a white paper on, you know, how we're doing this as well as like uh, LLC form agreements and other things we've created to support the structure. So if anybody else wants to either replicate this for single family rental properties or any other real world assets, right? Like they can look at how we've done the implementation and and replicate, you know, fork it and create their own. And we want to encourage that because in Web3, you know, we're not trying to become the only online you know seller of something right we don't want to be the amazon or the ebay we think that you know 100 companies need to be doing the same thing and when they do then we all prosper together so um we also want to try to stay true to that those principles of you know give the power back to as many people as you can and you know try to kind of elevate the ecosystem as a whole so that's another thing uh we're looking I at i love
0: as- that is Jeff, is there anything anything else that I that I missed as well? No, I would just um,
1: close on that point because you know you brought it up earlier, and and Slender just alluded to it, but but we do see ourselves as um, advancing the the blockchain and crypto space as a whole. This is not just the you know yeah. the Roofstock project. We we are opening this up. We're going to probably um, open up annotated versions of our documents, explaining what's there and why, and um, with an open invitation for people to fork them and use them and um, do what they want. I think everyone in this space needs to be thinking about the ecosystem as a whole and not just what they're doing. And that's what we're trying to do. So talking to other participants in the market, but also with the legislators and policy makers, uh, we we do think that there is a very valid use case for blockchain in real world assets. People have been trying to crack the code for a while, yeah. um, and and we're you know we we do have line of sight to something that's new and different, and we're going to share it. and And we want the the ecosystem to to grow, and we'll be part of it.
0: It's so cool. I I uh, I know how this can be directly applied. I'm working on with a fo- group of folks how this can be applied to. Uh, a total different section of like the film industry and in, and in, in lending in that respect, but we'll save that for another day. Thank you guys for coming on Untold Stories. I really appreciate it. So pleasure. Thank
1: you. Pleasure.